Happy Mentor Monday, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Mentors on the Mic podcast, your roadmap, your resource for all things the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Michelle Simone Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in TV, film, commercials, and off-Broadway. And I bring you some of the most incredible people, people who are, you know, who are just doing so well in their careers and asking them to go back in time, um, talk about their first role, their first few roles, and then how did they move up to the awesome role that they have today? So that includes showrunners, directors, producers, writers, series regulars, and more. If you haven't yet, please follow us on Instagram at Michelle Simone Miller and at Mentors on the Mic. And leave a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this, as well as a review. I really, really, really appreciate them. Message me. Um, sign up for the mailing list. It's on. The, it's in the show notes. The link is in the show notes. And I give follow-ups uh, to the interviews um, for these mentors. I, I provide that on the mailing list and some behind-the-scenes stuff. So highly recommend. I do not bombard people with emails. Just a fun way I can connect with you guys on extra stuff that I don't share on the podcast. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Let's get started with our guest for today. So I've actually known Melissa for quite a while, right? So it's another New York City actress moment. She has been doing this for many, many years. She has, I remember the first time I saw her, I think she was a reader at a casting director workshop uh, for a studio that I later worked at. Um, and she was so talented. She just has this really awesome, unique look. She has a really strong presence, really strong sense of self. Um, and it's really cool to watch her just grow with that. And, you know, I remember uh, seeing her guest star role in Billions opposite Maggie Siff, who plays Wendy, the role of Wendy, and just was so good, guys. And I asked to see her do stand up at some point. She was amazing at stand up, just really natural. She talks about on the show, and she's been doing great things. She's her TV credits include recurring roles on CBS Bull, AMC's Dietland. She also recently guest starred on NBC's New Amsterdam and Showtime's Billions and Homeland, and. She's also done various indie films, shorts. She made her off-Broadway debut in March 2020 for the highly praised Bundle of Sticks from J. Julian Christopher at Intar Theater. And she's just so talented. And I also ask her about her series regular role in the Paramount Plus's incredible series, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So this series serves as a spinoff from Star Trek Discovery, and it's a prequel to Star Trek, the original series. And she is, like I said, a series regular. She plays Lieutenant Erica Ortegas, and she is the helmsman of the USS Enterprise. She drives the ship. And the co-showrunner of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is Akiva Goldsman, who I'm connected with uh, in a very small way. So Akiva directed, well, so first he's responsible for movies like A Beautiful Mind, I Am Legend, A Cinderella Story, and so forth. But he also did a film called Winter's Tale, which he wrote and directed. Um, and that was my first feature film that I ever booked. So it's part of my story too, if not just a small part, but he's wonderful. And we get to talk about him in the interview too. And the second season debuted on June 15th and every week putting out a new episode and it's already been renewed for a third season. So it's so incredible to talk with Melissa about her first few roles, about her first sort of 
foray into this acting career and all that came with it. And then how she worked at this, how she got her audition for Star Trek, how that audition went and um, what she learned from it. And just all the tips, all the tips, guys, all the tips. So without further ado, here's Melissa Navia. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Mentors on the Mic. How's it going? I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to see your face. This is such a long time coming for me. I'm so thrilled. It's nice to interview someone I actually know prior to this podcast. So thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Working actors working together and we have lots to talk about. It's very, very exciting. Well, I, you know, just out of consistency, I always start with the same question, which is what was your first role in the entertainment industry? Sure. So my answer to that would be what qualifies as the entertainment industry, Um, because I've been acting since I was little. And so I've been acting on stage, you know, in church and in school. And for me, that was the beginning of this very long, crazy and daunting, but the only ride I could see myself on. Um, And so, so for me, that was like the beginning, you know, being, being on stage and finding out that, that I loved telling stories and I loved audiences and I loved being able to, to get up and sing and not so much dance. I did dance, but I wasn't crazy about it, yeah. um, but, but to act and tell a story. And so I've been doing theater at school since, since I was little. And then I went to high school for, for musical theater at a, at a really awesome high school out in Long Island. And, um, but if we fast forward to kind of New York city and on camera roles, I'm from New York. I'm, I'm from Long Island originally. And my goal in the last 10 plus years, I'm not sure how long you've known me. Uh, time is time is nothing anymore. Everything is just rolled together. But I've been doing this for, for over 10 years. And my goal was always, you know, to make it in television and film and to at some point find my way back to the theater. So as I'm going through my head, the first role, I mean, I definitely I did I did some some student films, which were wonderful. And I, I was so happy that I got the opportunity to do them. And, you know, as actors, we, we talk about, you know, what kind of things should you do early on in your career and student films and projects where you're working with other artists, just like yourself, who are, who are working on, on building up their resume and their portfolio, they're really important to do. And as an actor, it's important also to get, you know, content for, yeah. for your reel and, and for all sorts of things. And it just teaches you how to be on a set and how, yeah. to, how to work with crew members. So I definitely did some of those. Um, but I, I am now zeroing in on my first like role that my agent at the time called me up about and I jumped up and down about because, you know, this was like a big first step. And so the original project was called Imogen and in my head it's still called that, but it ended up being Girl Most Likely and it was a film that was shot in in New York City and it starred Kristen Wiig. And that for me will always kind of be just a really big first moment when you know, it just hits you that, that, okay, you know, this works, you know, auditions aren't going out into the void and, and, you know, <laughs> there's no response. And, and so it was funny because it was like, it was a, it was a one scene role and I was so appreciative and excited for it. And I learned so much from it. I got to see for the first time on a film set, what it's like when 200 people are working to set up that 20 second, 30 second scene. And it takes yeah. eight hours in a day and everything everything goes into making that that one scene how little or how long it is work and uh and then you as the actor have to deliver and i i remember that being you know being in this building and having everybody do 
do everything that they're doing. And, and I'm still to this day, I'm in awe on sets when I see people who do things that I know nothing about, like lighting and photography and set dressings sound. and sound. I find sound to be fascinating. fascinating. Um, and, and when they're all working to do that, and then it's like, okay, action, and you have to do the thing that you've done for me my whole life, and suddenly you're like, do I know what I'm doing? Um, and so so that was that was girl most likely for me it was 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 learning being excited to be in a in a in a little trailer and um getting to work with the wardrobe department and i just have really really fond memories of you know what what wasn't very long on a set but for me it was it was a big big first step and uh yeah so girl most likely kristen wig that was one of my first big steps that's great. I mean, well, listen, that answer had so much to it um, in a good way that there's there's different parts to it. As an actor, I think it is important to start with like student films, low budget films, all of that stuff. Work your way to a place where you have that real. I mean, some people get something right off the back, but most of the time you kind of have to work a little bit to kind of develop a real develop a resume, um, you know, and, and and like you said, familiarize yourself with all the stuff of what it takes to be on a professional set. And it's not just you book something and that's it. it takes so much before that booking um yeah i haven't seen that film i think that was probably wasn't that like kristen wiggs first film that she created i think out of being like with the snl fame i could be wrong but i just remember feeling like oh i think that's i think that was the first time i saw her yeah do you something. know what time it time is so fuzzy that you know, I, know. I, I couldn't even tell you i believe it was after after snl but for me girl most likely the big thing in my head was was me and uh were you and, in a uh, scene and, with Kristen? yeah yeah she was <sighs> passed out on a desk and uh i had to tell her that the boss was looking for her you know do you remember your first tv co-star that you booked I believe so. I don't know. I feel like you're 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 quizzing me. I think you're I mean, listen. If you get it wrong, you get it wrong. And it's not a big deal. Uh, what I, was one of so your first co-stars that you booked? I believe. I believe my first like co-star on a you know on a on a huge TV show was The Affair. And That's what which, I have written down. But yeah, so, so it was it was The wasn't Affair. Wasn't supposed to be a and, quiz, but and uh, but I but I, but I you win. Passed. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> But and I remember too, I had just joined SAG, and oh. I remember I put off joining SAG for for a bit. And I know this is a this is a huge question, and we could always talk about it if you want. But everyone's always like, you know, when should I join SAG? And and my advice is and was always, you know, wait until you have enough of a resume, enough yeah. of a portfolio, and and you have to join. And at the time, I think I don't even know. I might have been a must join, or I might have been SAG eligible. I don't remember. I just remember like joining SAG and them telling me you know, you have to pick five names in case your name is already taken. And I remember telling them, don't you worry, my name is not taken. I have been, I have been actively watching. And they were like, you still have to pick five names. And so I was like, all right, Melissa Celeste, Melissa, but I was like, Melissa Navia is not taken. That is my name. And that is going to be my SAG name. And, and then shortly after booking, booking the affair, and uh, I got to work with Dominic West and Ruth Wilson. Oh, so and good. I just I've had a very good experience on sets, you know, knock on all the things. So every awesome. set I've been in, everyone has been quite, uh, quite wonderful. Hey, I love it. I'm happy to hear. And I feel the same way about SAG. I think SAG is great. SAG after is great. I think it's the same thing. Join when you absolutely have to. So it's great advice. Yep. Um, and then okay, so a couple years later, you booked one of my 
favorite things I've seen you in. And I don't remember if it was right around that time I like I knew you were, but I definitely remember talking to you about this when it came out. Like I remember writing about it. I, I was we were already friendly by this point, which was Billions. <laughs> so yep. you not only were you on Billions, which was one of my favorite shows, but also you had a scene with my favorite character. So you you had a scene with Wendy, played by Maggie Siff. Yay. So yes. tell me about that experience. What was it like working with her? What was it like booking? Uh, I think this was your first guest star, right? So I tell me about so. that. Tell me about the audition for that. Tell me about what that was like. Sure. So Billions, again, another, you know, real kind of milestone in my career. Billions, there's a there's a whole long story, and I'll, I'll keep it keep it relatively short. Um but the beautiful thing about billions is that it's a it's a really wonderful example of all the work that you have to put in to being a working actor and how it pays off and it doesn't necessarily pay off in the in the timeline that you want it to mm. if that makes sense do you yeah. know it's it's like you're you're constantly putting in work that you don't always know do you know if this is this is the moment that I'm going to book something do you know like you've probably heard the saying and everyone out there listening has been like you know you don't go into an audition to book the role necessarily you should go in to book the room right and Throughout my auditioning career, specifically on camera in New York City, and also via self-tape uh, around the world, has been <laughs> casting directors, you know, telling me, you know, you are very specific. And, do you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, people really didn't always know what to make of me. I think that they don't always know, know what to make of me today, which is fine, because that's how I've been my whole life. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't plan on ever changing. And I'm, I always stay true to, to who I am and to, and to what makes me me. But part of that then is that when it comes to auditions, you know, you're not getting an audition every week, you know, because you don't really fit into a box or you fit into a description where somebody goes, ah, yes, this is this is what she can do. So for so many years, I, you know, I had people saying, you have to keep meeting people, you have to, you know, you have to keep auditioning. And you just, you know, there's going to be the right role is going to come up. And so many times I'd I'd audition for casting directors and they'd be like, you know, if it's not this one, you know, we remember you, your work is, your work is really good. It's solid and something's going to come up. And so Billions was prime example of, of, an, of a casting director that I'd been going into for. Alison well, Estrin? Yes. Yeah. Allison. Um, she was so wonderful. And not that I've been going into her for years, but she had known me, you know, for, for a number of years and she knew my work. And I remember her telling me, you know, when, when it's, when something is right and it comes across my desk, you know, I will bring you in. And so she initially brought me in for a completely different role. It was, you know, the whole thing was was fantastic. We had the original audition and then we had the callback and then, you know, they they put me in wardrobe and everything and wow. and it was just really a, you know, an exciting time and then it came down to me and someone else and the other person got it and they absolutely deserved it and it was the right role for them and I didn't get it. And that was heartbreaking. Yeah. And I remember at the time I was I was uh, training for the New York City Marathon. And so it was one of those moments where you really have to kind of, you know, dig within and be like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why do I enjoy doing this? And I, I will enjoy acting and storytelling for my entire That's life. Not but the, I know. At a certain point, though, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you want to have health insurance and you want to make money and you want to, you know, be able yeah. to, to show your, your family and your friends and all the people who are supporting you and fighting for you. Look, you know, you can check me out on television and see what. Um, yeah, all my hard yeah. work is paying off. Yeah, so that was that was like a bummer. And then I remember then I got the call that we want to bring you back in for this other role. And I was like, what is this other role? And they were like, this role of an astronaut. And I was like, cool. And so they brought me in for the role of Elena Gabriel. And, do you know, I just, the writing was good. I always say this. I said, when the writing is good, you know, the acting part is, is for me anyway, relatively yeah. easy because the writing is, is everything. 
and uh, I just immediately clicked with the with the character, and I went in, did the audition, and and that's how it happened. And then next thing I know, I think it was like it was like a week, two weeks, less than that. Later, I was on set, and I was playing this role of an astronaut, which I'm so happy I got to play because now when people are like, you know, they find out I've been on Billions, they're like, oh my goodness, who did you play? And then I get to say the astronaut, and there's you know been no other there's, astronaut on yeah. Billions. It's so, recognizable. Uh, so, it's very recognizable, and uh, again, the the cast and the crew, Maggie, everybody, the showrunners were just uh, a joy and a dream to work with. And uh, yeah, that that role definitely was like another just big moment in my in my life when I'm just like, you know, what I'm doing is working. I want to keep doing it, and I want to keep getting more roles like this. And uh, yeah, so that was Elena Gabriel on Billions, and that you probably know the date from IMDb, but it was back there, like 2017. 2015. Oh, no, 2017. You're right. 2017. You win. You win again. <laughs> no, I love that story. And I loved the character for you. I loved, the, there was a full arc to this guest star, right? It felt like there was a lot, I mean, you had these separate scenes the way this episode is. And I, I do recommend everyone checking this episode out. I'll put the info in the show notes. But the way it worked was that you would, your scenes with the character of Wendy were kind of sort of these standalone scenes that were interspersed in the overall arc of the episode. So you would see your scene with her, see something else that was going on the rest of the the show, and then it would go back to her evaluating you, essentially. And it almost felt like it was its own short film with just the <laughs> scenes from you two, because there was so much going on, and then your heart kind of breaks at one point. I won't mention <laughs> how. And it's just, it was so beautifully done. And it was the first time I got to really see you work, even though I think I'd seen you like read for stuff uh, in at you know studios and stuff, but the point is, is it was this fully sort of beautiful character. But in addition to that, you had such a grounded, specific way of approaching it that I, you know, you every actor wants to do that in their own right is approach oh, a character you. and give enough to the character that it feels like it's its own entity, it's its own person, and. It was it, it seemed effortless. It seemed like it was you, but like a heightened version of you as an astronaut. It was just beautiful. And I just I just I think I, I mean, I probably wrote on a Facebook post or a social media post somewhere like, oh, it was so good. It was so great. Um, but yeah, just love that. Episode oh, thank you, of you so much. Thank you. Um, thank you. And you also then booked guests, uh, you booked roles on Homeland and Dietland. So I wanted to mention this because Homeland, it says you booked uh, EMT Julie. Was that yes. a co-star or a guest star? So the funny thing with, with Homeland is is a couple of things. Is one is uh, it was it was billed as a co-star, I believe. All of this is, is like I'm going back I in know, time here. I know. Um, but I Making also got go to work with, with Brian Michael Smith, who I believe you know. Too, yes, right? I do. You know yes. yes. So so that for me was was really, really special. And we got to I believe we shot out in oh I feel I feel like this whole thing is like a, a test of, of my acting career. Uh, I, feel, I think we <laughs> shot out in Richmond, Virginia. Sweet. Um and it was when I booked it, it was at the same time, like, and again, I'm speaking to all actors out there who are listening, but you know what it's like when, you know, you go for months and you book nothing and nothing's happening and you have all the time in the world and then you book something and sure enough, something else then wants to book you and your schedules. Yep. Do you it's know, very clash. weird. It's a weird right? phenomenon. Isn't that weird? Um, Feast or famine like a, sometimes. Yeah, there's like a saying in Spanish that my mother always uses, it's todo se junta, where it's like everything just piles up on top of each other. And so... When I booked Homeland, I was so excited for it. And then it was 
going to, this is, I guess, I don't know, this is a little secret, but I'm divulging it now. Um, they were going to bring me back for the following season of Billions, that character, oh. um, for, for one episode. And at the time, they felt that it was, you know, that the, the scheduling was going to coincide with what was happening on Homeland. I don't know all wow. the specifics. And as actors, we can all relate to what so that's... There's only so much we know anyway about all There's that only stuff. so much we know, and then it can it can drive you crazy if you keep trying to kind of figure out what happened. But I remember at the time, it was madness. Um, and for me as the actor, knowing very little of what was going on, but there was a lot of key players involved and a lot of wow. uh, craziness about schedules overlapping or was the issue that, you know, Melissa was going to be on two Showtime shows, which seemed like a strange thing to me because I'm like, how many huge actors do we right. see on multiple shows? And here I am, like, I'm... <laughs> literally trying to hold on to my health insurance and oh nobody God. recognizes me on the street. And so what ended up happening was they said, okay to Homeland and they said, okay to billions. And I was like, cool. And so I'm on set shooting Homeland. And then while I was on set, my agent at the time called me up and he was just like, you know, they just had some writing changes and you know, they've, they've decided that, you know, the, the new scenes that they had for, for Elena and the new season in that episode, you know, they don't, they don't work so much. And so they're going to be cut. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. And I just remember being like on set in <laughs> Virginia, on, set? on Homeland, like so excited to be on the set of Homeland, of but I'm just like, I'm like, so much of this is career is really like crazy ups and downs that you cannot let them break you. And I, I remember that moment so specifically because I was like, there are days where it's so exhausting. Do you know an artist of, of any kind can can relate? Do you know? And then when yeah. you're finally, as an actor, getting to do the thing you want to do, and then you find out that if I had turned down Homeland because of this, um, you know, character reappearing opportunity in the new season of, of Billions, if I had done that, and then they had still written out those scenes, because from a writing perspective, I it's, actually completely right, agree with what they did. Right, it's nothing to do with that, yeah. Right. I completely agreed with what they did. But from an acting perspective, I'm like, you, you know, you also can't see the future. There's all sorts of different reasons that people, you know, don't end up seeing their scenes on air or they don't get to set. But, you know, you're there and you're kind of like, I would have then lost out on this and then also lost out on that. Yeah. And then I would have still been, you know, you know, sitting in Queens, you know, trying to, to figure out what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Uh, and so so for me, that was like, it's just so funny because in my head, for me, like Homeland and Billions are really always intertwined. Yeah. And, and now that I'm, I'm in a position where I have a bit more say in things and I, you know, I am, you know, people recognize me a bit yeah, more. Yeah, they do. Like, I always go back. To, I think about that and I'm just like that feeling of, um, of what's the word I'm looking for? The feeling of helplessness. Powerlessness. Do you know, yeah. like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to, to let that moment kind of too far away from me because it just, it helps me remember like how far I've come and what so much of this is and, and you want to start to be in positions where you no longer are kind of, you know, out of the loop. Yep. So, yeah. So, so that was a, a, a long answer to your short question. But Homeland for me is like, is not, a, it's, it's, it's a big, EMT Julie was a big thing. And, and also in the, in the episode, which I'm sure you probably have seen, yep. like, you know, she plays a pivotal role along she with, does. with Brian's character. Uh, it was so cool to get to spend time with, like with another Brian, friend. Yeah. Another friend. Yeah. Who's, he, and he, he's doing amazing right now. Oh, uh, he's but also to get to a spend series regular. Also a series regular and rock and rolling and hosting yeah. things left and right and just being his awesome self. But um, but yeah, so being being on that on that show that I'd watched since the beginning and then getting to do this great episode and you know being a pivotal co star in a in a in a crazy storyline was um, was a big moment for me. Well, so you touched on a few things. The reason, well, first the reason why I asked about it was because that is the industry, right? It, it's not linear, and I think that's one thing that mm -hmm. when I talk to other actors about, 
you know, specifically in talking to them and telling them I'm going to be on this, I'm going to interview you. That's something that pops out. It's this idea that people don't realize sometimes if you're not if you're not in it, that it's really not a linear business. And so you could get a guest star one year and the next year get a co-star, get back a series regular, then you go, do, you know, do guest stars. It's just it goes up and down and it's all over the place. And and, you know, I think that that's part of this whole thing. And a lot of actors have to, like, decide for themselves, are they going to turn down roles if they don't feel like it's the right fit? Or, uh, you know, in your situation, the fact that this has both happened, that both happened at the same time makes me mm-hmm. so sad because it's so out of our control in that in that mm-hmm. sort of level. And, and I feel like in addition to all, I mean, they could have said the same thing if it was competing networks, right? I've heard that, I think, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're you're in contention for an ABC role, but you, you're also recurring on this NBC thing and that's competing mm-hmm. networks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we feel good about that. So it's the same thing if it's the same streaming platform. So who knows? Um, totally. And it's also it's also a thing, too, where it's like when you, you know, when you get to a, a level where, again, this is this is a weird kind of health insurance, right? So I know it sounds crazy, but to anyone in the United yeah. States who's, who's, who understands what I'm talking about, like, you know, when you're at a point when you're deciding, you're trying to figure out whether or not you're going to qualify for health insurance versus not, these moments kind of hit you a bit harder. You know, once you, you start to get to a place where you're, you know, making a steadier paycheck, you know, then suddenly you can have a blow where it's, you know, you're shooting this other huge movie. So, and the schedules just aren't happening and the stars are not aligning and it's okay. And it's not so crazy, but, but even though I appreciate that you're saying it's like, it was a sad thing, but it, but once you move it, forward, it's not right. sad. I'm happy it's it happened sad. because yeah. it happened as it, as it needed to happen. But that the, the idea of, um, and we'll talk more about it because I know we're going to talk about my off-Broadway show. But yes, you are. this idea, too, of like of, of, you know, when do you turn down a role and when do you choose it? Like what I would say is for me, it's always been if, if in terms of choosing, you know, like what, you know, when do you choose the role or turn it down? And for me as an actor, like I don't enjoy, you know, just auditioning left and right all day long and not actually getting to perform with other artists on stage or on screen or in a project or in a reading like that feeds my soul right so even um like new amsterdam was a co-star that i shot yeah i shot that right before i booked eric ortegas on strange new worlds and i was so happy and i was and for me the new amsterdam co-star was not only was it shooting in new york city so we're we're, we're coming out of the pandemic that rocked all of our worlds but me as a new yorker especially like it you know, it absolutely upended all of our lives in so many ways. It was shot in a, the, the setting is a New York City hospital where I New know. York City hospitals were such a huge part of the pandemic. And the co-star was another pilot in my career. I've been typecast as, you know, these brilliant, uh, you know, military roles, pilot roles, which all kind of, you know, foresaw what was happening, what was going to happen one day in Star Trek. But for me, again, just like Homeland, the co-star was pivotal to the episode. And so I saw no reason that because it is a co-star versus a guest star, that that should be a reason for me to not take it. So I know I'm speaking from a place now of, you know, having, you know, security in terms of roles in a way and in terms of this business. But like, I I think that's very important that you stand up for if there's a role that you believe in and you want to take it and there's a reason you want to take it, that this whole thing of like, well, because I shot two guest stars, I shouldn't do that. Because like you said, it is not linear. And anyone who tries to tell you that it is, anyone who tries to tell you that if you do X, Y, Z, then ABC is going to happen or vice versa. Um, it's they they're it's it's just not the way it works. There's no formula to this. So there are some people who shoot a self tape and the next thing you know they're on a billboard. I don't I can't relate to those people. Um, and I never will. And that's totally cool because I think this is gonna make sure that I never take any moment for granted. But this idea that 
that it's, you know, you have to do this before you do this and then this happens and this will happen. I'm sure you know many of, of many people like I know who over the years they booked a guest star and they thought the whole world was going to change. Yep. And then absolutely. it just exhausted them because it didn't. And it's like, that's not how it works. Like you have to keep, keep working. Absolutely. And so that's what I've been doing. So well said, Melissa. Oh, I love this. Um, can you tell us if there was, and the answer might be no, but was there a <laughs> shift in how you approached your auditions at any point? Did you notice that you were starting to feel differently in submitting self-tapes? Was there a moment where you were like, these are feeling more like me or these are feeling like I, I'm approaching it a certain way that that works or it's working for mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. I think well it's a, it's a great question and immediately i think of the pandemic so the pandemic for me and i know all of us changed a lot of things and so i had already been been self-taping a bit you know and 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 i know now we're, we're all mostly self-taping but i'd already been self-taping a bit and so i was used to doing it i was at times I enjoyed it more and I still enjoy it more than going in person because, you know, you don't have that kind of that weight in the lobby and you're looking at, you know, you're either looking at 10 people who look exactly like you or 10 people who don't look like you and which is better, which is worse. You don't know. Um, but self tapes, you get to, you get to craft the audition yourself. Right. But because I'm such a perfectionist, sometimes that could be a little maddening, you know, because I want everything to be right. And I'm also very like, you know, I, I, I'm off book and the lighting is right and everything is, is as it should be. Like I, I, I want it to be 10 out of 10 because I'm, I'm handing this in. So it should be my best yeah, work. And so sometimes I know you that, exactly, exactly. It's a reflection of you. And sometimes I know I'm, I'm probably the hardest on myself out of, out of anybody, but that's just, that's, that's me. Um, it's, you know what? And, it's the August 24th in you. I don't know if you knew we shared yes, the same birthday. Do, uh, yes. I feel like, yes. yes I feel like you I feel like told that me that. And I remember, yes, it is. Absolutely. I am a Virgo and I think we're on the cusp of a Leo. Yep, we're we are right like on the cusp. The, yeah. My mom calls me a two hour Leo. She did not yes. want me to let go of that one. Yeah. One of my sisters is, is a Leo and, and I always feel like I'm super Virgo and also kind of Leo. And which is why at the end of the day, I'm just madness, but like lovable yeah. madness, do you yeah, know? And, uh, and I'm going to make sure everything is organized and done right. And it's 10 out of 10. Yes. So so with self tapes, I was I was like that, but it could also, again, self tapes would feel like that void, right? That I spoke about earlier. Yeah. Like you know, you send the them abyss. out, and I'm like, I call ah, it the abyss, yeah. right? Like who's watching this, and what are they thinking, and what are they doing, and you know, then you would do a slate, and then feel a little bit like, what am I doing? You know, yes. I want to like I want to get on stage and I want to tell stories, so you know, just give me the microphone and let me do my thing. But this is on camera, so this is completely different. So all that to say, when the pandemic happened. Um, and everything kind of just changed. I was still doing self tapes, but my partner and I were the ones doing them at home. And he, you know, he, he bought the cameras and he bought the lighting equipment and he was my editor and he was my reader. And so we were kind of doing them like regularly. And so, you know, not, not every week, but we were still doing them regularly. And at, and then with the pandemic and everything happening and, you know, just, I don't even need to get into that. We all know it was just, a lot everything was exhausting that i think come fall of 2020 um see time is nothing anymore but october 2020 when i when i booked new amsterdam and i was fighting you know to do that co-star uh and take three submitted me for that and they were wonderful and they were like absolutely do it and um and i had i had another rep arguing with me but take three was 100 percent behind me on that uh 
And then Star Trek came along. At that mm. point, like, I was so tired. I think mm. I was just like, let me just do the audition. Do you know what I mean? And yes. so it's so true when they when they say that you just let it go and you just do it. And I'll never forget when we submitted the audition for Strange New Worlds and it was so top secret. It was so top secret that none of my reps could see it. And the only people who could see it were myself, so the sides and also the audition itself, and Brian, my partner. And so we sent that into casting. And so that for me will always be a thing that I tell everybody because that was so special to me because Brian was always the one who was like, yeah, this is you. This works. This is the character. This is fantastic. Brian knew Star Trek. He understood. He knew me better than anybody. And so when when we sent that in, I remember like collapsing on this giant beanbag we have in the living room and being like, what am I? Because we sent it in. It was like the last minute, you know, for the deadline. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm like, I am tired. Do you know? Yeah. And then I just kind of forgot about the audition. But the audition itself, the writing was so good and the character was so uh, fleshed out and the breakdown was so like on point with every role I've ever auditioned for. Mm. I felt good about doing it, but I just kind of, it didn't sink into me when I was doing the audition that this is a series, regular role, a brand new role on an iconic franchise and the brand new show of this iconic franchise. None of that really made anything. And so two weeks later when I was like that, I was getting a call back. I was like, cool. But I do really feel that during the pandemic, like my focus shifted to, do you know, like, oh my God, I want to get this next role to like, everything is exhausting. Life is exhausting. Everyone's just trying to stay alive. Stop and I just, so hard. Right. Almost. And all that things are going on. And, and, you know, then, then Star Trek rolled around. And when I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, I really, like, I get in interviews all the time. People are like, you know, did, what did you think when you realized you were auditioning for, and I was like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember if I processed all of that. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, it's, it's a Star Trek show and it's this great character. And if they want me, they want me. And if they don't, I literally, like when I was Which is ideally testing, what we want to be. You know what I mean? Totally. It's the ideal place. It just can't, we can't always get there. <laughs> totally. Like, I remember testing for the role and testing for the role. Again, testing. I tested Yeah, I want to hear about Zoom. that. So the callback was via Zoom? Callback was via Zoom with the showrunners, uh, Kiva and Henry, and our casting directors, Margie and Orly, who changed my life. And it was via Zoom here in our apartment. Brian set everything up for me. And um, I had a conversation with them. We did another scene and it all happened from here. And that counted as my test as well. And then wow. you, know, you sign the contract and then you wait. And I remember like every, every day kind of being like, is this going to happen? And then there was finally a day where I said, you know what? If they want me, it'll be me. Like nobody else can, can give them me. But if they, if they don't want me, then they want someone completely different. And I can't give them that. So that was, that was like such a, such a feeling of calmness. And it was... I think it was that day that I got the call that I, that I booked it. And, um, and, and Brian and I jumped up and down and it was, uh, it was, it was so great. And at the same time, right. Like great moment, you know, with, you know, looking at my whole career. And at the same time, it was just like, all right, let's get to work because this is taken. This is taken. This wasn't a one day thing. That it was meant to take. Yeah. This is taking the time it was meant to take. Like there was no way that this could have happened five years ago. Right. There's no way this could have happened three years ago. Um, and so it was just kind of like, yeah, here it is. This is taking me, this has been a really, really long road. Now we just got to get to work. And so I, I just don't feel like that, that feeling of like, you know, this is my work is ever going to, is ever going to, going to stop. Like at no point am I going to be like, woo, I made it. Like what is right. making it? Like I love what telling I? stories. I love people knowing the stories that I tell and enjoying them. And so 
I have health insurance now, guys. Woohoo! And for those who don't know, you have to qual like we talked about qualifying and being eligible for health insurance, but you basically have to make a certain amount of money to and I don't know many people who qualify for health insurance from SAG after, which is insane because we know so many actors, but it's so hard to sometimes get to the point where you're making a certain amount of money per year that you're able to qualify it. And it's harder and harder with residuals, and that's why the whole thing is going on with negotiations. But Point mm-hmm. being, you qualify for health insurance. I know. Yeah. It's in like other countries, they're like, that is a weird thing I to know, be excited so about. And I'm like, it is it is big for us. It's huge. It's one of the biggest yep. things. Um, yeah. And then you talked about Akiva Goldsman. So Akiva Goldsman was the first director I ever worked with on a professional set because oh, I booked yay. his film Winter's Tale a while back. It was a small like one line roles, my first big thing. So I think of that fondly in my story. Um, but how is it with working with Akiva Goldsman? Oh, I adore Akiva Goldsman. I adore Henry Alonzo Myers. There are two showrunners. I always say, like, I don't know what it's like on other sets, you know, because Star Trek Strange New Worlds is my first series regular, you know? So it's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to work every day with people I really, really enjoy being in their company and, you know, on the bridge of the Enterprise. And, like, that's my job now. And when I see, like, how, how much I, I like Akiva and Henry and I'm just like, is this what it's like on all sets? And I know that's, that's the answer is no. Um, but everything I've seen from from him and from them are just, I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at work, you're looking at and working with people who have been in this industry a very long time and know what it's like to, to put in the really, really long, hard hours of writing and producing and directing and, and casting and putting together teams and, and Akiva and Henry and our casting directors, they truly put together an ensemble unlike I've ever seen before. Do you know? And I know I'm very biased because I'm on the show and it's my show and it's my friends and I think they're all great. Uh, But it truly is like they were able to put together like this really extraordinary crew where everyone is a solid actor. Everyone is a truly uh, cool person offset. And, um, and yeah, and Akiva's Akiva's a really big part of that. He directed our first, uh, our first episode of of season one. And, uh, you know, I've zoomed with him many times. uh, And, uh, yeah, he's just a, he's for many, many reasons. He's very, very special to me. And um, it's just been a joy working with him. And I just, I, I can't, I can't have, I can't, now that it's happened, I can't think of it having happened any other way. Like, I'm so happy that this huge project is with him. And, uh, and yeah, and, and Strange New Worlds really is what it is because of Akiva and Henry and our writing staff. And, um, and the crew as well. Yeah, and the cast of course. And Listen, I'm getting a little <laughs> emotional talking know, to you about this. Too. Because, <laughs> and that's why I like going over all the, like, the beginning parts of the journey, because I think people do forget sometimes that this is more than just one day. It's it's a series of, in, in this case, years, but it's a series of projects. It's a series of no's. It's a series of yeses. It's a series of reps. Like, there's all these parts to the journey. Um, and I think of Akiva Goldsman with such love, even if it was just a, like a one-day shoot with him, just because that was my first big thing. And, um, and it was so wonderful. And like you said, he's just such a great leader um, and yeah. creative. And he's done such incredible things. I made a note to, like, talk about him in the intro because I didn't give him enough of a thing. But point being is um, it just makes me emotional to think that, like, like, especially hearing you say that this has all happened the way that 
it's supposed to happen and it needed to take this much time and it couldn't have happened five years ago. It just gives me so much joy for many reasons. I'm sure you can understand. I'm going to move on to the next question so I don't get too emotional. Absolutely. Okay. I know so, the two of us together. Right? Um, and to, just to be mindful of time because there's a couple other things I want to make sure I talk about. But can you tell us a little bit? There's a story that I read that you talked about, I think in Variety or some article, where you talked about getting a tip from costume that there was going to be sword fighting on the show that you were going to be doing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I liked that story a lot. Yeah. So one of the things that happens on our set is, you know, writing is constantly taking place. And we sometimes will will hear about, in fact, we often will hear about a script that's coming up before for, you know, we've seen the script. So we, because costumes and, and makeup and hair, they're all, you know, speaking about it in meetings. And so they have to start preparing. And so I forget, you know, I was, you know, trying on probably just, you know, Starfleet uniforms. Like we have a number of uniforms in our, in our closets in order to kind of, you know, cycle through the week. Uh, and you're not wearing the same I know every day. I know, I know, I know. Um, (laughs) see the secrets of Starfleet and, and I, I, I remember they mentioned something about sword fighting, and I can't remember now if they also had the picture, like the 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 artist rendering, um, or if that was in the hair trailer where they gave me the artist rendering. But definitely, it was it was the costume department that was just like, "Do you sword fight? Like, do you have a background?" And and I was like, "Well, I do martial arts, and I definitely have a background in weapons, and and swords is one of those weapons." <laughs> and. Um, and so then when I when I saw the picture of what they were what they were envisioning, I was just floored because it was so cool. Like it's it's a knight, you know, she's a knight and dressed in, you know, leather leather coat and and she's got the boots and the pants and the just everything was just, you know, I couldn't have I couldn't have told you that I wanted to be that role because you wouldn't have believed me and you know everybody would have told me I was crazy. And here I am shooting a show in space. And I play the pilot of a starship, and yet there's going to be an episode where I get to sword fight and you know live out my 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 knighthood fantasy dreams, you know. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, so we we had heard about that that episode for many 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 weeks prior to it. And when I found out that I was sword fighting, I then went to you know our personal assistant who went to our stunt team, and I said, you know, can I start training? And so they were training with me every single week. Amazing. And, um, and I had to learn how to how to sword fight in, in tight leather pants yes. that I eventually had them add suspenders to because <laughs> I did not have suspenders and all the guys had suspenders and I was like, hey, well done. And yeah, so suspenders and leather pants are a great combo when you are sword fighting. Good to know. Noted. <laughs> um, so any tips for actors? And this is a very hard question, I, I imagine. But uh, any tips for actors who hope to book a series regular? And tips mean, I mean, you've already added a couple tips about like self tapes and how you approached those. But just also, you know, even encouragement, anything that comes to mind when you think giving actors advice who their dream is to also be a series regular? Yeah, I'd say, well, many of the things that I've that I've already said, and I'd say, like, if I tell everybody, like, if you want to do this, go for it, but just know that it's going to be really hard. You know, we, of course, we know examples of people who self-tape once or who have one audition and, you know, and the woo, everything works out and they're on billboards. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, they're more the power to you, happy not for you. the rule. Yeah. And I really just, I cannot, I cannot relate to that. Do you know, like my experience in this industry has been, you work really hard and it pays off. But it is like we said; it's it's not linear in any way. It's um, and so that's the biggest thing is just to know that like when you look at someone else's series regular journey, it will not look like yours. 
it just it just won't. And if and if you're listening to people or you're looking at people who are telling you that you know, oh, this is how it's going to work. If you do this and this, then this will happen, and then you know you'll be set. It just, in my experience, and in the experience of everybody I've ever spoken with or worked with, that's just not how it works. And so, to get to this point where you where you have a steady paycheck and you have a, a job that you're working regularly, which is a series regular role, you know, you have to brace yourself for the ups and the downs and, and, you know, don't let those downs knock you out, you know, because how you get up from those downs, it might sound cliche, but it's there for a reason. Cause it's true. How you get up from those downs will define, you know, how you move forward in this career and it will eventually define your ups, you know? So, so to people who want to book a series regular, look, I'm right there with you. You know, I was in I was in L.A. for for a bit auditioning and, and hustling out there and, and, you know, you know, trying to light a fire under myself. And I remember seeing billboards, you know, because in L.A., like the billboards are kind of everywhere in a way that they're not quite in New York. Do you know, like we have them all over the city, but in LA, like I find like you can be like in a suburb and you look up and there's billboard. Um, so when I was out there, I'd be, I'd be looking at billboards and I'd be like, you know, one day when I come back to this city, because I was always like, you know, I'm going to make it in New York city, auditioning there and booking there and hustling there. And plenty of people told me, if you want to be in TV, if you want to be a series regular, you got to move out to LA. LA. And I was just like, I think don't that is not want true. To. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I, yeah, I, I just, I don't, think that's a thing um and it's not people Melissa, who would tell me that it didn't happen people who, it, yep yeah you're an example people, of it. so but i would go i went out there and i said one day i'm going to come back and i'm going to be on a billboard and i'm going to be on a billboard for a huge tv show or a huge movie and and it's going to happen and i don't know entirely how it's going to happen all i know is i have to keep putting the work in um and also to that too, like you're going to hear from people being like, oh, you know, once you do this and this, then you'll start getting all these auditions during pilot season. Also BS. Also be, I was in a, I was in an acting class once. I won't tell you who the teacher was, but they, you know, they brought in a, he brought in, you know, an actor who'd been doing things for a long time. And the actor, you know, told us a whole story and kind of was, they made it seem like so many people I feel like to, to make actors feel like, like we don't know what we're doing and that we, we put too much emphasis on trying too hard and i i take such offense to that because i'm like actors are super smart and they're super hard working and what i would love to see is more actors and more working actors and people who are hustling every day you know don't sell yourself short and don't make yourself feel like you know you are in any way less than any other of the components that make up our industry right <clears throat> but i feel so often that people walk into these rooms and they tell actors you know you know if you stop doing this then suddenly you'll start you know going and for pilot season all the time. And then you'll start booking things. And, and this person said that. And I remember like, I kind of saw red a little bit, you know, I get, I get very not defensive, but I get very like passionate. Thank you so much, Michelle. Yes. I get very passionate. And I raised my hand and I said, I said, that's not true. Like this whole thing about like, as soon as you start letting it go, you know, then you'll, then you'll, you know, then you'll start getting more auditions. Then you'll start getting this. Yes. Did I say that, you know, letting it go helps in the audition room? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that like all the hard work I've been putting in for the last number of years. Well done. Yeah, well said. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, if if I had done X, Y, Z, then it would have it would have changed everything five years ago. It's just not how it works. And so people come in and they're just like, well, if actors stop being so ridiculous and start doing this, then this starts to happen. It's just there's no formula. There's no formula. And so in that same class, I remember saying too about somebody told me that if I wanted to be in TV, then I had to go to L.A. And if I was in New York, I had to do more theater. 
And that too, I was just like, that's not true. I didn't go back to that class, <laughs> whatever the class was. But, uh, but that's my big thing. It's just that there's no formula. You have and to you write have to, to really me later what the name of that. Yes. Oh my goodness. Because I'm sure you have I've... to really. <laughs> you have to really love it, and you have to just know that there's going to be ups and downs. Surround yourself with people who support you, because there's going to be days where you kind of question everything in your life, and you have to have people around you who remind you why you're doing this and why what you're doing matters. <clears throat> and um, and that for me, just that's my experience. Is that's how you get to a place where you're going to. You know, you're going to book the roles that you've been dreaming about. Also, you're going to be very, very excited about every role that you've booked that brought you to this spot. Because I am very, very proud of every indie role that I've booked. Uh, indie films embraced me far earlier than television did. And, you know, big films did. You know, indie films are, are I, have a, I have a great love for them. So, so all of it matters. But yeah, just get ready for it to be, it to be hard. And if it happens for you and it wasn't that hard, then you know what? Awesome. Exception, you know, not the rock. role. That's great. You rock. We we support you too. I think <laughs> also I I hear you because sometimes people do get very I get very defensive as well because I think a lot of those people that promise that they have the answer and the answer is also to let go don't realize that you can't just press a button and turn that on. That sometimes it's a matter of going through all the things we go through to get to a place where that one audition, you're just like, I, I can't, I, this is what I have right now or whatever it is you have. But it's not, it's hard when you hear people be so judgmental of what actors need to do to book this because it's not that easy. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. So, right. or saying that, saying that like, if you know, you have to do this and then you'll suddenly be going in for all these pilots, which I know pilot season's a question of, you know, whether it exists or doesn't exist, but anymore. But like back in the day, I absolutely, there was never a point that I was, I would go in for a pilot and I'd, you know, and it'd be great. And it'd be, the role would be so specific to me. But then I'd hear these stories about actors who were going in pilot after pilot after pilot and would like go into the casting director's office, like crying because, you know, there's just too many auditions happening. And I'm I, sitting there. I've heard the like, same thing. And you're totally, just like, and I get it. I get it. Because during the pandemic, I was self-taping and it was exhausting. But you have to laugh about it a little bit because I'm like, I, you know, I never had that experience of like, you know, having 20 pilot auditions, you know, back to back. And so for everyone, it's different. So so just kind of, you know, take everything that everybody tells you with a grain of salt. And at the end of the day, you know you best. And um, And yeah, and like I said before, with my Star Trek audition, I definitely like, even though I'm saying like, you know, I, I was a bit like, you know, I wasn't really taking in that it was a series regular on Star Trek. I knew all of that because I yeah. read the breakdown, but I still like everything that was happening when Brian and I did the audition was because of work that we had put in to make the tape the best possible. And that what work just didn't happen that day. Right. We had spent all of pandemic times working on it, perfecting our lights, perfecting our camera, perfecting our reading together. And I had also been self-taping for, for a long period of time. So even though you kind of to a point like, you know, you, you go in and then you do what you do best, but all of those little things that you've done over the course of your career are sinking in. It's a muscle that you're, that you're flexing, that you're, that you're working on. And then you can go into the audition room and just do what you do best and everything kind of just happens. But, but when people kind of come in with these things about like, oh, you know, if actors stop being this and stopped overthinking that and stopped. That's hard. That's so yeah. hard for me to do. Do you yeah. know? Because uh, I overthink things. Because, because we're humans. Because, and because I care about what I do. Right. Do you know? 
I'm a Virgo. Yes, Leave you are. I love it. <laughs> um, I did want to ask you quickly about your other projects because I think they're super important. So projects like Girl with Short Hair and your stand-up, which I've seen years ago and want to see again because you're fantastic at stand-up. So if people want to check you out, give me a link. I'll put in the show notes. But how do you think, A, can you talk about those for a little bit? And then how do you think those creative ventures help you as an actor? Yes. So uh, when I started doing stand-up, I, I was when I was out in LA that I kind of was, was going to see more stand-up and I was thinking to myself, I can do this. So I'm a writer, right? In addition to being an actor, I'm a writer. I, I love writing. and But I don't consider myself in no way. I'm, like, I'm not a sketch comedian. I would never have considered myself, you know, like the funny person in the group. Like we all know those actors. Like I know actors who are just, they do sketch comedy and they're brilliant. And so when I came back to New York and I started kind of thinking like I want to do stand up and then I took a class, the comedy seller, which was one of the best things I've ever done. And I, I spoke to, you know, actors who I consider really, really funny. And they like fell over when they found out I was doing stand up because to them stand up was terrifying. And they're like, Oh my goodness. They're like, I could never do that. But to me, I don't know. I'm weird. Like I, I think compared to sketch comedy, stand up is a breeze because you've gotten to write you know, your material, you know that it works and and then you're getting up and doing it. And as an actor, like what I love about stand-up is one, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to tell my stories, I'm performing in front of a live audience, but you also have to like really be a performer in that every room is different, you know? Like a room of 200 people where, you know, everyone's there to see you and 10 friends and everyone's, you know, having a great time is different from a room of like 20 comedians at midnight, do you know? <laughs> like, so you have to adapt and you have to improvise um, but for me, I've absolutely, I love, love, love stand-up. I have totally not done it since right before the pandemic. You know, everything shifted and changed. Um, for me personally, like grief became a, a big part of my life. And so it just, I'm working on getting back to it. But, and then also, you know, then Star Trek, Star Trek and grief, you know. It takes um, up a lot. You know, little things, but also huge things. Huge um, things. So, but the funny thing about stand-up and joking and, and laughing and, and, you know, finding a reason to laugh is, like, when you are the most down is when you need to laugh the most, you know? And so I've been telling myself that in terms of getting back into stand-up. Um, and it part of it also goes hand-in-hand hand with Girl With Short Hair, which is, a, which is, like, kind of a lifelong project idea that really kind of started to come together a few years ago. And it, it came off of uh, auditions. So it came from auditions when I would hear about casting directors, you know, looking for me or, or asking about me or being like, who was that girl with the short hair? Do you know? Okay. A- everything else, like they couldn't quite be like, I don't know what if, what to make of her or, you know, if she fits this or that, but she had short hair. And, and so it just kind of became this thing where I was just like, yeah, I guess for a lot of my life, I've been the girl with short hair. And then how has that changed how people approach me and, you know, how people interact with me and how has that been a part of my life and that, you know, since I was a little kid, I'm like, yeah, like I dig short hair and, and that's just, that's how I feel. And, and throughout your life, you get people who are trying to change you and trying to tell you to do this and that. Or judging you for it. Or judging me. Right. And, and here I am as a, as a, as a grown person who could care less about what people's judgments are, do you know? And I'm, I have this place now where I have a bit of a platform so I can kind of help be a voice to those people who are judged all the time and people who are, you know, um, you know, constantly looked at because of what other people think they are or are not. And so when I get it, and I definitely like, you know, there's, there's times in, you know, in my, in my wonderful role of Erica Ortegas, you know, she has a 
super interesting haircut that I chose and, 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 you know, I checked in with Brian about, and I checked in with the hair department and the producers loved it. And, um, Ethan Peck, the first time I met him, he plays Spock. I was just like, what do you think? And he was like, yeah. And so everybody was like my favorite haircut of all time. And there's still people out there who like, you know, who get very defensive and upset about a woman with interesting short hair. And I love it. I love every minute of it. Um, it's a, you know, it's a small percentage in, in comparison to like, you know, the legions of Ortega's fans who love her hair. And, but it's so interesting to me. And it's kind of like, for me, it's been like validation about this project of mine that like, you know, it, there is something to, to a, a confident woman who, who goes out there with the hair of her choice, you know, and it makes certain people feel a certain way. And so what do we make of that? And so that's kind of what's behind that. And it's also a lot of my stories growing up as a, as a kid with short hair. And, and then of course that is just the starting point of many, many other things, but, but yeah, girl with short hair at the end of my life, I will still be that. So yes. that's, um, that goes hand in hand with, with, uh, with stand up and, and with projects that I'm working on moving forward. And now you're an example for people who <clears throat> look at you and go, Oh, wait, I want that too. I can have that. It kind of gives me permission that, that, that exists out there for me to have, you know? So yeah. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And, and and that's one thing it also leads that just that's also one thing, Melissa, that I, I really admire about you. You have a very strong sense of self. You have a very strong idea of who you are. And and that I think girl with the short hair is part of that. It's this element of you that you're like owning that you go, this is this is what I need to share. This is who I am. This is part of who I am anyway. Um, and I think that that shows in your acting. I do think that that is part of how you as like, like, unlike anyone else can approach a role. Um, and it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to watch you on on the show. And um, if oh, you can tell a little so bit, people, it's season two just start. Can you tell just people how, how they could find Star Trek Strange New Worlds? And Absolutely. You can watch Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Paramount Plus. We just started season two and uh, 10 episodes and they're like 10 mini movies. I play Erica Ortega. She's the helmsman of the USS Enterprise. The show takes place uh, approximately seven years or so prior to the events of the original series. So you're going to see characters like Spock and Uhura, who we all loved from the original series, but under the command of Captain Christopher Pike. And uh, it's just, it's a phenomenal show. It's, it's everything you love about Star Trek and then some, and um, season Two, well, you can watch all of season one now, and season two is going to take some steps that you have never seen. I'm telling everybody, you've never seen them in Star Trek, and you've never seen them on TV before. So please watch. It is a labor of love, and uh, a lot of excellent people are working on it. And I'm so happy that that you know that I'm part of this franchise, and the fans are wonderful, and so. Strange New Worlds is your new show that you have to binge. It's so good. And it is like a mini movie. And, um, you know, there, it's just like there's a full thing. There's a full mission. It's a whole, you know, the episodes are so well done. Um, and you're so great in it. And I can't wait to see all more that you do with this this role and in life. And I can't wait to see your stand up soon. And thank you, Melissa, for talking to me oh, on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, it was a pleasure. And uh, definitely let's let's do this again sometime down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to Mentors on the Mic. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend in entertainment you know would love it.
Let me know what you've learned or what stayed with you on our Instagram at mentors on the mic. I love reading your messages. Uh, you can also find me at, at Michelle Simone Miller on Instagram. On both accounts, I'll be sharing even more information about our mentors. Talk to someone about what you learned today who would really appreciate it and send them the episode. Also, if you love the show, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really makes a huge difference in growing this. It makes it easier for people to find our podcast, and I love reading your reviews. So thank you so much, and I'll see you next week. 